This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Material is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hello, my name is Ivan Kuparev, and I am Director of Engineering at Google. What I love about materials, um, I like TPUs, which is thermoplastic urethane. And what I like about that, you can shape them in anything you want. My name is Paul Dillinger. I'm the head of design innovation for Levi Strauss. What I love about materials is I love making things out of them. Imagine an iconic clothing brand partnered with a global technology leader to bring wearable apparel into the future right now. Those brands, it's Levi's and Google. And their amazing partnership, Project Jacquard, has been making fast strides. It's revolutionizing the way we think of and experience apparel that has useful technology integrated seamlessly into it. Coming up, you'll hear why the power of that collaboration means that the future of wearable tech is that there will be no such thing. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto and Samantha Cortez. Paul, hi, Ivan. Thank you so much for joining us. I could not be more excited to be here at Wear Conference and talking to probably the leaders in the forefront of getting wearable tech into your hands. It is the Project Jacker team. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. So, obviously, when we think about wearable tech, a lot of people are thinking about, you know, maybe it's a Fitbit on your wrist and it's going to tell you, uh, you know, a little bit about your health, but then you take your bracelet off. What did it mean to take some of those properties and then some and actually work together and build it into a jacket? Well, I think, you know, we've all become accustomed to the idea of the integration of tech into all these sort of hard components of our lives. I mean, how exciting is it when, uh, you know, when your Tesla uploads a new new firmware, a new operating system, or gets better or improves itself just through an object being connected to the Internet? But we haven't really seen that happen with a lot of the soft goods. And so... Uh, a lot of the barriers to entry for that have been some of the technical challenges that Yvonne and his team have overcome, allowing a, people like me, like people at, at fashion brands, to really, e- not easily, but uh, 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 eventually pick up and integrate these, uh, these capabilities into the soft goods that sort of surround us. What were, Yvonne, some of those challenges when you were thinking about, like you said, going from hard to soft and putting this into a jacket? What, what were some of the biggest challenges and how did you guys overcome them? Well, the entire thing is very challenging because you are trying to take something which is, you know, hard and made in a certain way, and you're trying to integrate those electronics devices into the soft goods which are made at the uh, textile factory and then apparel factory, uh, which is a very different environment from making mobile phones, for example, or, or whatever consumer electronic devices you think about. And then... Um, the fact that they're flexible, the fact that they're stretchable, the fact that you burn denim 
when you are manufacturing it with open flames, you don't do that with mobile phone. I mean, unless you buy a uh, flame torture from the uh, Elon Musk, of course, maybe then you can burn stuff with, the, um, with that. But otherwise, you don't do this. Right? So, um, and that's sort of the, the manufacturing process is very difficult, and we had to adapt consumer electronic technology, electronics, to that process. And that was hard. You are a great example of collaboration in our industry. That's one of the, um, the unique things because in the fashion world, we're not used to collaborating at all. Mm -hmm. I would like to know what are the key factors of what you've learned from each other through that process? Is there any something that brings... Well, uh, yeah, I think, first of all, um, having two big companies, you know, there's thing, there are things like corporate egos involved. But I think um, by sort of putting that aside and each company totally understanding and freely admitting their, their own limitations, the things that Levi's, we are bad at. And there are things that Google might be bad at. Uh, and that finding a right partner to, to, to bridge those deficiencies and, and supplement the deficiencies to create, um, you know, because this whole process is going to take um, everyone working together. But if every, like, if every component supplier comes to me and, and I've had people offer me, you know, printed circuitry and, and, and uh, capacitive yarns and all these other features, if I were to try to assemble all of the components that exist in this system by myself without the expertise of a Google, that would be impossible. And I think similarly, maybe Google might not be the best denim designers in the world, right? But by really admitting those deficiencies and coming together to supplement them with one another's expertise, I think that's, that's the start of it, is just being honest about what you can and can't do. I can definitely appreciate that. And obviously, I'm here today wearing my jeans, and I have my denim jacket. Big fan, New York City, you know, yeah. staple. But I'm thinking about it and imagining, obviously, what it would feel like with hardware and components and batteries in it. And curious, when you were designing this, how do you overcome some of those challenges to make this lasting and usable, but also look and feel cool as shit? Uh, in the... In the fashion design space and the apparel design space um, we're used to having the component resolved having it presented to us we're working around that uh, and it's uh, very sequential is the yarn ready to go to the you know to, to go to the mill to be woven yes then the, the hit go it, is the fabric ready to go from the mill to the factory yes hit go you know factory ready to ship it you know it's all this sequential stuff with this project we had to start the work before any of those components were done, right? Nothing was really resolved. And in, in the tech space, uh, they're very comfortable with a concurrent development, many streams that everyone believes will be done in time to execute. Whereas we're used to like stage gating it. They're used to um, uh, consecutively uh, solving problems consecutively rather than uh, sequentially. And I think that um, becoming comfortable with and, and, and trusting that they're going to they're gonna resolve it. They're going to get it small. They're going to get it soft. They're going to get it washable. And just go knowing that that, that part will be done. That was a, it, it was a leap of faith. What were your biggest challenges in, into this whole project working with I, Levi's? I think that's the, what Paul said in the second book uh, a minute ago about clearly admitting what you're good at and what you, uh, what you should not be doing is a critical um, stage for any sort of collaboration. And the key word which kind of defined that was the word co-creation. And that was kind of a, once we decided it's going to be co-creation rather than co-branding or we develop this, we develop that, that sort of set a stage 
for two companies together and kind of define the rules of engagement. Uh, we don't try to make our garments and we don't try to take Paul how to design denim jacket. At the same time, uh, Levi's uh, trying to understand our manufacturing process and requirements for testing and certification and to the usability testing and the legal requirements which comes with the releasing consumer electronic products. So that's building common understanding was critical and, and trust between companies was critical to be able to move forward. So for those who don't know, can you walk us through a little bit what it does right now and maybe potentially where you think it's going in the future and some of the applications you want to add? Well, so we designed it specifically for use by um, urban cyclists. It was part of um, Levi's commuter collection, which was uh, a, a whole, you know, whole suite of products um, that had this portfolio of design attributes like a retro-reflective uh, cuff when you turn your cuff up so as, on your, as you're biking, you can be seen at night. Uh, there's a place to put your bike lock in the back of the jeans and in the jacket you've got uh, venting and it's a durable water repellency uh, to keep you dry and all these other features that were um, to help improve your life when you're on your bike. So by putting it into the context of that lifestyle and, and really defining, using the lifestyle to define the, define the use case, we explored the potential for this um, tactile interface to actually um, al allow a cyclist to stay off their screen, right? To keep their phone in their pocket, but still access the best and most essential components of their digital life without ever having to, you know, put that screen in front of their face and take their eyes off the road. Um, so that said, we, 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 we developed capabilities around navigation, media management. Um, how do you answer, hear a text and possibly respond to it when you're on your bike? And little things like, um, like keeping track, uh, what time is it, being able to count things, how many potholes, how many cups of coffee, how many cups of water. Um, uh, and so that was all great, that really purposeful design specifically tailored to the urban cyclist. But now when we got the product out there, we thought, well, this is, if we're talking about someone commuting on their bike five days a week, maybe they want to do something on the weekend that isn't on their bike. And how could we use the jacket that we have that, with the, with the um, capabilities that were embedded how could we amplify the value of the jacket by uh, adding to the abilities? And so we've added things like interface with rideshare, so you can know when your lift is about to pick you up. So you don't have to be, you don't have to have your eyes on your phone when you're at a party, and uh, and you can talk to your host and say goodbye rather than like counting the minutes till your Uber gets there. I had no idea that is cool as hell. And the thing is, we just launched that about a three about a month ago. That there are new abilities that were added to the garment, so that the spring launch of garment is new digital capability, not new product that it's, not, it, it's a platform that it can improve rather than a gadget that's fixed and only does a certain amount of things. We can evolve and change the things over time. And so when you're, you're not investing in a technology that's going to time out, it's just going to get better. That's amazing. And what's cool, uh, one thing that's cool about it is that you're going to buy that product. We can buy it right now. It's not a proposal or a vision like a lot of things you see uh, quite often in this space. It's an actual product. You can buy it. You can try it. It's sold online or in a store, in the Levi's store, not the Best Buy, but on the Levi's store. And that's, I think, what is real uh, watershed moment. It's when apparel companies create and sell wearable products. I think that's when I think you really start seeing them going into the all aspects of our lives. Is then when you don't buy them on the Best Buy, but when you buy them in an apparel store. That's for me is the biggest, biggest, biggest achievement. And I would like to say is that we as a Google excited about being able to add these functionalities, not just to one jacket, but also go across multiple products, multiple jackets, see how it's going to look 
in, you know, in, in other types of apparel, like jeans and bags and shoes. And we see the platform as being expandable and um, reach other uh, consumers. And I'm also imagining, wondering what you're thinking about, I mean, other verticals and industries where this could apply. I mean, race car drivers or pilots or, I mean, you know, all of these people who need this modular movement functionality embedded in what they're wearing. It has massive value. Right. And, and it does, it has massive value. And But imagine a scenario where rather than your phone that has to do everything, what if everything in your life could do something? Right? So if everything can do something, no one thing has to do everything. And it really takes the burden off of that one device. And how's, I mean, imagine not being stressed out if you lose your phone because the phone was just for making phone calls and everything else did something. And you, didn't, you weren't suddenly like orphaned digitally by the loss of one object or the, or the, the dropping of one object in a toilet. But rather, you, you still had the rest of these abilities available to you in the, in, in the throat pillow, in the, in the bedspread, in the stuffed animal. In the, you know, it could be anywhere. I know that um, there are some companies that integrated some things to the fibers or integrated some technology into, into, their, into their objects, and they are waiting for FDA approvals before they launch it. Do you guys have any hidden secrets in, your, in that jacket that we should look out for in the future? I mean, I know you can't really talk about it if it's hidden, but can we expect a lot more changes onto that particular jacket that you're purchasing? Well, I mean, the software, you, you, uh, once you bought the jacket, we're going to be releasing, we're applying to these software updates and add abilities. Since the release of the jacket, we launched it maybe six months ago. We already had two updates where we keep adding new functionality to the jacket, mostly to software. Of course, from a hardware point of view, once you bought the jacket, you cannot change it. So it's mostly going to be software updates. But for the future product, we are actively thinking what new sensors and hardware capabilities make sense for the consumer that yet to be understood and discovered and we do through the proper consumer research and what's important. That's a perfect place to take a real quick break. We'll be back soon with the incredible minds at Google and Levi's and talk more about tech and textiles right after this. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. <laughs> you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at material. Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Okay, so on break, we were touching on something that's very near and dear to my heart as well, and that is the sustainable implications of this and how do we take on a challenge, what the nightmare is going on in fast fashion. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I think, you know, as a designer and in the design industry, working for a company that really, that Levi's, where we celebrate the durability of our product, right? There's a two-horse test uh, on, the, on, the lead, on the back leather patch. There's two horses trying to pull a jean apart. You can't, you can't pull them apart. That's the promise that Levi's made. 
about you know 150 years ago when we, when we first started making blue jeans. I had no idea. Now, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, but but what we what, what we want is we want uh, objects with lasting value, and so much of the fast of the fashion paradigm today is about objects with. Like the, the, like just sort of the most transient, minimal value. That's sort of like uh, there's an immediacy about the purchase. You don't have to think about it because things have become so cheap, and then you can get rid, rid of it quickly because you didn't make much of an investment. Um, we talk about the problems of fast fashion, but rarely do designers actually work hard to design a solution in the form of a reason to pay more, a reason to own it longer, a reason to care for it better. And I think Jacquard really addresses all of those. You have, uh, first of all. You know, if, if 28% of your water impact over the life of a garment is in the home laundering of the garment, you have a, a, a jacket here, although totally washable, it's totally viable, robust system, but you intuitively know you don't want to wash that computer, right? You don't want to wash it so often. You're going to retrain consumer behavior to respect the object in ways that they haven't been respecting that, you know, $20 pair of jeans that they got at some fast fashion outlet. And then we're offering product that um, uh, that is actually getting better over time. That it's not about in and out of a color in the season, but it's an investment in this object that you know is going to improve. That's actually going to get uh, a, a systems upgrade. It's going to get new abilities, so that the person who bought this jacket last fall, well, the spring launch of the Jacquard product isn't new product, it's new abilities. And the jacket that they already own just got better rather than having a system of marketing prompts that tell people that the product that they own is now making them unsexy, unlovable, uncool, unpretty, and all these things. No, now we have a promise to the consumer, you own this and keep it, it's just going to serve you better um, the next season. And that's a fundamental shift in the way that we have approach our relationships with objects. I think that's fantastic, and I am curious, what implications, if any, did that have on how you priced the product ultimately? Did it lead, were there thoughts, or obviously there were, around how, how you price something like that? Well, we had to consider that this is, there is a, an, an incremental increase in the cost of the product because there's tremendous R&D value that's gone into creating the product. But, you know, I, when we look at our assortment, there are, you know, we have great jean jackets in the, in the Levi's Vintage uh, vintage clothing collection that cost well more than this product. Their value is in their attachment to history and, and our faithful reproduction using vintage production methods. So And people buy into that reason to pay more. This is a different reason to pay more. It's a reason to pay more is um, a, a functional reason and, so, and it's an emotional reason. There's an emotional durability about this product that's kind of unique. Absolutely. Well, my passion has been the manufacturing aspect of things. And I, for the people that don't are not familiar to your program and to the clothing that you're making what is the integration of of the electronics into your jacket like how it's a process that's right so um the way it works is that we would like people to be able to uh connect to the digital information while they're on the go without having to pull out the phone from their pocket right so kind of the whole vision is that uh we want people to be connected but not distracted stay in the moment and, you know, enjoy the life when they're biking or doing something else. Um, so what we, what we have here, we have a piece of electronic device which is attached to the jacket uh, through the connector and we have a woven conductive fibers inside of the, uh, inside of the textile um, uh, of, the, of the cuff. So when you're touching those fibers, you're getting signal from the touch which is being then transmitted to this piece of electronics of the connector which then recognizes gestures running on the jacket. So we have uh, simple machine learning algorithms, actually not that simple, machine learning algorithms which recognize the gestures on the jacket and then send the gestures uh, uh, to the mobile phone 
which then can determine what these gestures means. And then the user would be able to decide which gesture does what, becoming sort of like a trigger system where they can say, with this gesture, I want to switch tracks, and this gesture allows me to, um, to answer my phone call. And then there's also LEDs and haptic feedback, which provide communication to the consumer. So, for example, when you get when your Uber arrives, your um, jacket starts kind of having providing subtle haptic feedback and the light to show you that the Uber just arrived and you should go and um, you know stop talking to your friends and get get into the car. And in the app that you have installed in there, are you doing like learning, like it would learn your your besides the the sensoring it senses does it learn it and then it and later on in the future no we don't we don't do any learning uh, at this point okay. um, at this point we uh, our algorithms are pretty static yeah. and they're simply recognizing the gesture so when you open the jacket for the first time you go through simple a very painless uh, kind of onboarding procedure we're kind of learning the gestures and once you learn them it's really easy to do them okay right. what what did that whole kind of production supply chain look like? Because presumably Levi has its established supply chain, but now you're introducing a whole host of new components and considerations. Did you work within the established framework or did it require new thinking and new development in, in new factories? There, it, the, um, you know, the factory that made the jacket is, is the same factory that made our other Levi's commuter product. It didn't have to, we didn't have to create a new body of expertise at the factory level. The, the looms at the mill are the same looms that were making denim for us before, and they're making denim for us now that doesn't have the capacitive yarns in it. Uh, that um, that, that the, the Google was really respectful and of, of the supply chain and mindful not to disrupt it. That, it, that, um, that the, the fashion industry would, would resist a disruption and it would welcome uh, uh, this sort of uh, ease of integration. So there was the one, you know, there's a little bit of specialty integration um, technology expertise that was brought in, but by and large, it was deliver the right components that were um, developed with the integration as they're in, in mind, deliver them in a way that they could just be put on that on that loom and, you know, uh, and shot through that weft without, without screwing up the supply chain. I know there's a lot of, um, considering that you have the, um, your clients, the, the, the manufacturers are the ones that are yours for many years, but aren't you guys afraid and like, the the privacy onto your software. Yeah, the, what are, what are the kind like, of the IP protection and implications of that from either a legal or a practical, <laughs> practical. perspective? Yeah. All right. So from the manufacturing point of view, um, there is a, it's a standard procedures where we signing a contractual agreement where they are not supposed to use this technology outside of the current product. Um, I mean, there is a there's always a risk, but that's just with anything. Like if you're making, making any consumer electronic devices, you have to trust your suppliers. And that's where I think it comes very important to work with, uh, with uh, companies like Levi's, who has a long established relationships with their supplier chain. They've been working with them for many, many years. There's a personal relationships. And that gives a sort of, uh, it's more than just, you know, contractual relationships. It's the relationships that Levi's has with those companies. And of course, People would not compromise those relationships for like quick, quick buck here. Right? I mean, that, that's what that was critical. That's that, that's why uh, companies like apparel. That's for us to scale. We cannot build a new factory and then get everybody working in this factory. It just does not going to work. It's it's this relationship in this industry are very important, and then we uh, we have to trust them. 
looking at that kind of power of the collaboration and the value of the relationships that Google and Levi actually has, as you look towards the future, any thoughts on where in this industry in general there are holes or massive opportunity that aren't being looked at and, and where this whole industry of wearable tech is going? Well, I think, I mean, I think a successful vision for the direction of the wearable techs in the world is that the wearable tech industry goes away um, and everything is, everything that's wearable now has tech, right? That, that we stop, we, we get rid of this sort of false barrier and defining one as one thing and the other is separate. Like that success for us is when we just assume that everything is, is empowered and connected. So, you know, I often think about that sort of human body is the most expensive real estate for, for technology, right? The, uh, the, your wrist has a watch and maybe beads or jewelry, maybe you have your favorite tattoo. And this is a very prized place for the humans um, to, to, to have things on, right? So um, if, we could, uh, if we could kind of embed technology into things people already wear, then I think, we're, uh, back to the Paul's point, that's I think where things are going. Um, kind of reduce the amount of, and coming back to sustainability, I think reducing number of, of gadgets people people have to um, have to buy instead of having technology built into things they already have. I think from my perspective is the way um, of the future. But this is my perspective. I mean, it's true that the first thing we did when we could get time off of our our, our smartphone is we just started. We got rid of our watch. Like that, most people didn't want to have that watch on their wrist anymore. And the people who do are are wearing it for reasons very different than telling time. That it's it's becomes it's purely status signification, uh, so it seems strange that a t strategy around wearable tech would be um, to to put the handcuffs back on uh, after everyone pretty much voted to get them right off as soon as they could. It seems far more, I don't know. It sounds feels like a winning strategy if you think about. Well, I'm not getting rid of my jean jacket anytime soon, so let's let's make that the thing, or uh, you know, or you know, my my favorite. My favorite sweatshirt, my favorite shoes, my favorite—you know—anything. Like it, it can. It, once it can go anywhere, it's going to go everywhere. It is us, and it's a second skin. Well, getting rid of wearable tech in the wearable tech space—that's a perfect message to kind of leave our think our listeners with thinking about. Thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners find the jacket? Where do they go? Um, well, if uh, it's sold at a few of our Levi stores, but I think the best place that everyone could get it would be Levi's.com. Um, uh, look for a commuter trucker with um, powered by uh, Google Jacquard technology. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ivan, so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. And for Samantha Cortez, Adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Back next time, you know where? Material is your business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.